This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, I want to bring you a message today entitled Stewed, okay? Stewed. There's a story about a group of prophets who got together and they started making the stew. And somebody put something in that was poisonous. And they began to say, as people started getting, getting, becoming sick, they began to say, there's death in the pot. Okay? There's death in the pot. Would you look at somebody near you and say, there's death in the pot? Would you, would you do that for me today? There's death in the pot. Come on now. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 25, verse number 19. It's a very lengthy passage of Scripture, much longer than I normally would read. Before we begin, though, let's pray. Father, we pray today that you would open your word to us, and that you would make us what you want us to be, and you would help us to become who you have called us to be. Lord, we have come broken, but you are the one who mends us, restores us, and makes us into a mosaic of beauty like we could have never imagined. Speak to us clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that you brought your amen with you today. I also hope you have your oh me with you as well. Could we practice oh me? Here's the problem for this service. In each of the other services, they have deferred and felt like this sermon must be for the next one. So by conclusion, this sermon is for you. It's the last one. Genesis chapter 25, verse number 19 says, This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethul, the Armenian from Padam Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Armenian. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb, so she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. I thought it was kind of funny. He prayed, and she ended up the one in trouble. And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat, so they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, I mean, remember the deaths in the, in the stew in the pot, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew, the deaths in the pot. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, 
I'm dying of, of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal. Then he got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. So today I want to talk to you about the stew and the conflict between family members. I cannot tell you how much I felt this message, the importance of this message, the, the importance of this sermon as God began to deal with my heart, as God began to, to speak to me about it this week, because I think many of us are going to live this message out in some way or another this week. Okay, so as we're thinking about that, as we're, we're dealing with this, I, I want to deal with you about how you're going to make a stew that can mess up your family. I want to give you a recipe to how to make a stew that, that can, can destroy your family. So if we want to make a stew, there's a few things we're going to have to understand. Uh, there's a few things we're going to have uh, to uh, come to grips with. And that, that stew is, is this. That if you want to make a good stew, the very first thing you're going to need is the, what we're going to call the base layer. All right, and I, I didn't come up with this. I, I studied that a little bit. And, and, and to make a proper stew, you have to have a base layer. Now, the base layer, uh, of course, depends on what you want to create. As I was laying these out, several people walked up to me and said, well, if you're going to put all that sugar in a stew, you're going to have a really sweet stew. Well, I, honestly, that's because you have, you have one concept of what a stew is. But if I wanted to stew apples, I'm going to need a lot of sugar because it's more the process uh, that it goes through to get to the conclusion than uh, uh, what you have in mind. So the base layer is what adds the, the flavor. It's what uh, it kind of defines the whole thing. The base layer of the stew, uh, if it's going to be sweet as sugar, if it's, if it's going to be spicy, that's where the spices come in. That's where all of this begins to come into place if I want to make a stew that can destroy the lives of those that I love. And so I have to begin to understand that I've got to lay the right base layer. Now, now this is important, and some of you are going, why would I want to know this? Well, maybe you don't want to know it, but maybe you've done it, and you need to know what you've already done. You see, the, the, the roux, if we were making a, a, a Creole type of stew, it's the roux, the gravy. The, uh, maybe if I was making a vegetable, uh, it would be the stewed tomatoes. That, that's the, the base layer. I would then move on from the base layer to add the second layer, which the second layer that will define it as a stew means I have to have the main ingredient. I have to have the, the layer of the main ingredients. And the layer of the main ingredient uh, is what defines the rest of the stew. Uh, it's by that name, the main ingredient, that I find out what the stew is going to be called. And, and so if I'm going to have, for example, a vegetable a stew of vegetables, I, I'm going to leave out a, the meat, of course, and there's going to be a, one predominant uh, vegetable that's going to help define that stew. If I'm going to add meat into that, I could have vegetables and then I add beef and I now have vegetable beef stew. Uh, or uh, as some of you would, you thought immediately of stew, you thought of just a beef stew. If I want to have a Brunswick stew, I know that by definition that the, the predominant main ingredient is going to be chicken. So that main ingredient is what causes it to be defined as what it is. 
And then from there, I'm going to add the final layer. And the final layer is a layer of uh, the filler, the filler. And the filler is what kind of brings substance to the stew. It's what, it's what helps it, 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 it's, it kind of hold on to you. It's what keeps you coming back to it. It's, uh, for lack of a better term, it's what sticks to your bones. The filler is what makes it stick to your bones. So I've got my base layer, which is the spice, the flavor. I've got the main ingredient of it. And now I, I need the filler and, and rice could be a, a really good filler or, or I've got some wheat whey here and, and that can be a good filler. And uh, also another thing that'll really stick good into your, your bones is the pasta. Okay. So I've got to have those three layers. And when I get all those together, I've got to get those in there. And, and then I've got to begin to, to taste. And as I begin to taste that stew, I begin to understand that the death's in the pot. Because I'm, if my goal is to destroy my family, if my, my goal is to let my family's peace be robbed, if my goal is to allow the, the joy of my family to be robbed, then what I really, really need is a, a good stew. Now you gotta understand that all these ingredients here don't, don't have to form a stew. They, they, they could become a number of things and, and if, if we wanted to, we could probably, with a little bit of water, throw them together right quick and, and have a really good soup all of a sudden and, and that soup would be kind of easy to make with these ingredients. But in order to make it a stew, it's gonna have to take a while. In order for it to become a stew, it's, it's going to have to, 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 to build up for a little while. Because you see, the definition of a stew is this a dish that has been closed up and allowed to cook slowly over time. For something to have been stewed, it means it's been going on for a while. It means it's been building up for for quite a while. To be stewed means it has to have taken time. So when something is stewing, it's building, it's growing, it's moving, it's beginning to churn, and it's this long process that happens. It can also mean that someone has grabbed a a bottle of alcohol and taken a problem and tried to drown it away. That's also called being stewed, that that something has been so much turmoil inside of their lives, it's been rolling it over, over and over again, that they take this substance and try to numb that and try to add that as an ingredient into their life, into their stew, as it were, and before long, you've got a real mess on your problem, uh, a mess that that you think you can live with for a long time, but, but you're in trouble like crazy. So here in our scripture today, what we find here is our two brothers. Esau is trading his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Why someone would trade their birthright, the the, the right to to proclaim themselves as the firstborn son for a bowl of stew. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense because if you have to understand what the significance of this is, a birthright in the time of Esau and Jacob meant that no matter how many other siblings there are, you get the largest portion. You actually get twice as much as any other sibling in inheritance. You get twice as much of the dad's money. You get twice as much of the dad's possessions. You you have the dominance and the uh, of the authority of the entire family. You speak for your father. That's all wrapped up in the birthright. And all of a sudden, we find Esau in a place to where he's trading his birthright for soup, or for stew, excuse me. He's trading it for a bowl of stew. Now, that doesn't make sense to me because how many of you know you're going to be hungry again in about three hours? If there ever was a bad trade, Esau made it. Trading all of that wealth away for one bowl of stew. And we might find that strange that he would trade his birthright away for a bowl of stew, but I think many of us are trading our spiritual birthrights away for bowls of stew. We trade our future because of what has been going on in the inside of us. And here's the deal. 
When it comes to the way that we're, what we're hungry for, we need to realize that we're trading God's promises away. That's what Esau did. Esau traded the birthright, and it changed the Bible. It literally changed the Bible. Because before, it would have said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because of a bowl of stew, it changed to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It all shifted, all because something on the inside of him caused him to give up his future, caused him to forfeit his place in the plan of God for some kind of a bowl of stew. He couldn't let go of the past, so he gave up his future. Now, with all of that said, let me ask you a very simple but almost loaded question this morning. What is your bowl of stew? What's on the inside of you that keeps stirring up, that keeps bubbling up, that you keep having to deal with, that every time you have to get around your family, you better watch out because it might reach its bubbling mark? You see, we find out from this passage in Genesis that from the very beginning, these two brothers had had something stewing between them from the start. Jacob and Esau played out such an amazing world-class wrestling match in their mother's womb that she ends up going to God saying, they're killing me, God. What's happening here? The boys fought from the beginning. They fought to see who would be born first. They shove and push, and finally Esau beats out. But but Jacob's like, I'm not letting go easy. I'm still here. They were fighting from the beginning. Esau beat him out. Jacob was actually named after that contention that, that, that I'm not giving up. The, he's holding on to the heel. But the animosity didn't stop there. They had never gotten along, and one became dad's favorite, and the other became mom's favorite, and that didn't help the animosity at all. It only kept getting worse, and they kept stewing over all the pains and all the struggles and all the problems, but the problem had been stewing for so long that they totally became stewed. They couldn't see straight anymore. All they could see was the hate. All they could see was the envy. They couldn't focus on anything else because of what was stewing between them and within them. Now, I know that nobody here struggles with anything with your family. I know that everybody here has everything right in your life and there's never any conflicts in your life and you don't have to deal with any bitterness and any struggles, but I kind of think that maybe I'm speaking to somebody. And here's what I understand. When you're stewing over bitterness and hurt, you can't expect to be healthy and react in healthy ways. And when God began to put this message in my heart that this week you're going to have to see people that you normally wouldn't see, you're going to have to interact with people that you normally wouldn't interact with, you're going to have to deal with struggles and problems, and so many of us are stewing over things we're just, we're just in danger of bubbling up and bubbling over about there's a problem we have to deal with. Now look, here's something that I, I actually discovered yesterday. Somebody posted this, and I thought, how fitting for this message. This was a quote. It says, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Because of something that's boiling up on the inside of you. So how did these two guys ruin their family over what was stewing inside of them? Well, Esau, he dealt with it the way that many people deal with it. He was never home. He never allowed himself to get around family. He was constantly out in the woods. He constantly went into the desert. He constantly went out hunting. He constantly avoided the rest of the family members because they reminded him of the bad decisions he had made. He'd done some things, and he'd actually married a girl his mom and dad didn't agree with, and and it caused a problem in the family. And instead of dealing with it, he just put it inside of him and let it build up and let it build up and let it build up, and he disappeared. He got out into the wilderness, and he disappeared for a while. And he stayed gone for all this time, and it didn't help anything because when he came home, now they're upset with him for being gone so long. 
How many of you ever felt like you can't win? You're hurt and you just want to avoid the pain, but you, you're avoiding it causes more problems. On the other hand, Jacob stayed home. Jacob stayed home and grew bitter as well. You see, dad was blind and Esau was running, hiding, and there was all this to take care of, and it belonged to Esau anyways, but Jacob had to take care of what Esau was supposed to do, and since Esau wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, Jacob was doing what Esau... I mean, none of you have ever had any family members who didn't carry their weight. So Esau causes Jacob to grow more bitter because of his absence, and Jacob's like, I'm having to do all the work, and I don't even get it. And his resentment begins to grow. I mean, come on, guys, let's be honest. No one here has any situations like these in your lives. No one here is avoiding a family member because you don't want to deal with a problem. We're good, right? Oh, I'm getting some looks. I mean, no one here is dealing with other family members who don't carry their fair share of the load. All your brothers and sisters, they're all in, right? Oh, well, maybe we do need this message. But be warned, what happened when these two allowed their problem to keep stewing within them until they were so stewed they couldn't see straight? It destroyed their family. So if you want to build a stew that destroys your family, just let bitterness come in your life. Just let unforgiveness begin to grow in who you are. Were you wronged? Yes. Are you wrong for allowing yourself to become bitter? Yes. So what do you do when two wrongs? They don't make it right. You have to become right. You see, here's what happens in their story. Esau comes home hungry. He thinks he's going to die. He's not going to die. He walks in. He's not comatose from hunger. He's not going to die. He's, it's not over. He walks in and he says, hey, I want to eat and I want to eat now. And that's what I want because I have the right to anything I want. But here's the problem. The whole camp is full of fires probably at this point. There's hundreds of people in this camp. There are meals all around them, and Esau passes a buffet of food up that he could have had anything he wanted because he wanted to prove a point. All he could see was what was stewing his mind and stewing in his heart. I'm going to go and I'm going to take what's rightfully mine from my little brother, and he loses out on all the blessings that were around him because all he could see was his pain. You see, when you allow the sin of strife and unforgiveness to live within your life, you miss all of the good opportunities that you could have had just because you want to prove a point. Esau undervalued what was important and overvalued what was unimportant. I mean, he had the right to demand from Jacob, so he went past all that he could have had to drive his point home. How does Jacob respond? He says, well, I'll give it to you, but if you're not going to do your job, then I want your job. I want to be the firstborn. If you're not going to be a man, stand up to your responsibilities. To which Esau responds, fine, it's yours. Esau loses. Jacob loses. He ends up running for his life in this whole deal. It's a bad situation. The whole family loses because the brothers are separated. And family members will die before they all see each other again. All because of some stew that was allowed to keep bubbling and keep building and keep moving forward until it tore the family apart. All because of what had been stewing between these brothers. So with all this said, let me ask you again today, what are you stewing about? 
What's bubbling up on the inside of you? What are you giving up for some stew? There's death in the pot. And what have you been going to? And what have you been tasting that bitter stew of for so long? Is it in your family relationships? There are people listening to my voice today who are dreading the family gathering because you don't want to have to deal with the problems. You don't want to have to deal with the struggles. And you know how it is. You've got to know how to walk the right tightrope so that you don't cause any problems. I can't talk to her because if I talk to her, she'll get mad. If I spend too much time on their children, i got to make sure I spend a little time with their children. And you're balancing trying to figure out how not to cause the, the death that's in the stew to spill over into the whole family. And nobody wants to move and nobody wants to to, to go forward all because there's a problem that nobody's speaking to and nobody's dealing with god sent me with a message this morning it's time for us to stop letting that stew simmer and get it out of our lives and let the holy ghost of god show up and save our families and change our world amen some of you the stew is destroying your marriage they blew it five years ago and you can't get past it they messed up and didn't have your back in the family situation because you were already stewing about something else and your spouse didn't stand up and eat the stew with you. And now you're mad at them and you can't let go of the stew that you now have added against them and you can't see straight and you're going to lose the best thing that ever happened to you because you haven't forgiven. Am I preaching truth? Or if it wasn't for the first service, it wasn't for the second service, you're acting like it's not for the third service, it must be for those watching by television. I mean, let's be honest. We all deal with unforgiveness and bitterness, and we all deal with these little, these little things that you better not stir up because it might just cause a problem. Why don't we get tired of what might cause a problem and let Jesus heal the situation? There are days that you'll never get back because you were eating bitter stew. It's time to get rid of it. There's freedom that you can lose because you end up trying to become stewed in another way because you're tired of the pain of the stew. There's God's promises you'll never inherit because your pot's too full of pain. God sent me with a word. Now, some of you are not going to understand the importance of this, but some of you men I really feel are going to understand where I'm going with this. My wife has a gift of cooking something liquidy in a crock pot that has to then be transported to some other home for the holiday meals. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My, my thought is, why don't we put it in a Rubbermaid container and then it won't spill everywhere? But the problem is you have to then plug it back up when you get there so it maintains the proper temperature so the perfection of her, of her uh, prized whatever it is is seen by all. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? So here's where it usually starts. Honey, this is too heavy for me to carry to the car. Would you put it in the car? My truck. So I burn my hand a couple of times trying because no one bothers opening the door, but I have to take the liquidy substance to the car. Are you with me? Can any husband say they understand? Come on, amen. So I get it in the car. The kids all scream, it's too hot. I don't want to burn my ankles. So I have to, I can't hold it and drive, so I have to put it at Christina's feet, who then burns her ankle, and somehow it's my fault for not driving, right? 
All because we're trying to take liquidy substance that should... I mean, does anybody understand what I'm talking about? It has no business being transported the way it's being transported, and it's always going to somehow end up in my truck. It's not going to be pretty when it gets there. It never warms up the way that it, we thought it would warm up. Come on now. Why? Because it should not have gone with us on the journey in the way we tried to carry it with us on the journey. And the same thing's happening when you've got some kind of a stew in your life that you build up against your family members. You're spilling it all over everybody. You're burning everybody around you because you don't want to deal with it, but you better not let her win because you're mad at her for what happened 10 years ago and God sent your pastor with a message today to say you can be free and your family can have peace and you can actually enjoy the holidays when you get rid of the bitterness you get rid of the unforgiveness and you let God move in your life that soup is not that important how are you going to deal with it all right the best way to get rid of it is to identify each layer are you ready you gotta you have to identify the layers what was the first layer anybody remember the first layer the base you see what adds the spice and the flavor to your stew that's killing your family is a base of sin called unforgiveness and bitterness. And bitterness and unforgiveness is bitter. That's why they call it bitterness. It, it, it is, ooh. That's why you can't enjoy. Some of you have been sipping from the death in the pot, wondering why there's no peace, crying out to Jesus for a future and a hope, wondering why it's called, because you're carrying the wrong stew of, 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 of unforgiveness and bitterness and junk. What was the second layer? The main ingredient. The main ingredient in a stew that will kill your family is the offense that caused the problem in the beginning. What did they, whatever they did, they, it, where did that, this is, this must be for somebody in this service because this is the first time this illustration's come up. You drew names for the Christmas presents and they forgot your child. You want to see a lady get mad? Woo! Ten years ago, but the stew kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And in order to get the forgiveness that you need, you've got to give them the forgiveness they need. You need to identify the offense. Now look, the reason it's called the main ingredients is because you eat on that the most. It's something you keep coming back to and eating on, feeding on. If I were to cook a turkey this week, which I probably won't, but if I were, I, I, if I were to keep a turkey leg and gnaw on that thing all year long, would that not be disgusting? If next year I was still sitting around going, <laughs> I mean, there's no, I'm thinking walking dead look. You know what I'm talking about? Awful. It'd be gross. It's just as gross that you've been gnawing on the same offense for 20 years. It's just as disgusting that what, what was done to you was wrong. It was wrong. It should not have happened. But that stew that you put it in, it's killing everybody. Let it go. What was the last thing? The fillers. The filler of our soup that will kill our family is the way we gossip about each other because of the offense and because of the unforgiveness, the way we talk bad about each other. The way we don't treat each other the way that we should treat each other. 
Now, I know that it goes beyond family because none of you have anybody on your job who doesn't carry their weight. I mean, none of you have to deal with the problems and struggles in your neighborhood. None of you have to deal with those things. But if you allow it to become a bitter stew, death's in the pot. So what do you do with a bad stew? Are you ready for this? You pour it out. You pour it out. Why don't you stand with me if you would? You get rid of the bad stew because when the bad stew is on the table, there's no room for the good stuff. Can I just get super spiritual for a moment? There's going to be casseroles this week that need room on the table. I know this doesn't sound spiritual, but there's going to be sweet potato things with marshmallows on the top of it. Toasted perfection that need room on the table. There's going to be somebody's masterpiece of uh, of bread or of some main dish that needs room on your table. And the only way it's going to get to be enjoyed by you is when you get rid of the junk. You pour out the bad stuff. But Pastor Don, if I pour out the bad stuff, they're going to think they've won. All right, let them win. Let them win so that you can win. Let them win and it will begin to eat them up. I don't know why this story just came to my mind. We had a situation years and years ago where there there was a a, a, a bad situation. Someone had physically actually attacked... uh, uh, me while we were out in the public there was somebody that was angry at God and 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 they they came uh, or sent their family member after about a year and said said uh you've got to forgive them they can't sleep at night they can't live th- th- this whole situation between us what situation and they're like well well th- they know that you hate them for that I was like I don't hate them for that you see they couldn't sleep but I'd already moved on because I'd chosen to be free to pour the bad stuff out and to move on for Christ and when you move on for Christ and you get free it, it, God gets to deal with them I'm going to share one last testimony with you. We're done. We're done. I shared with you a few weeks ago, and I hated having to do this, but it's really, really cool. Uh, uh, God dealt with me about some bitterness and unforgiveness that I had towards somebody. I let it go. I had to share it with all of you. It, you when you sin, you don't have to share it with everybody. I shared it with all of you how I had to let it go. Friday, I received a message from someone who said, hey, uh, you had bought something for that group. They're not using, you're not using. Our ministry would like to buy that. So what I, I said, well, they said, how much will you sell it for? And I thought about how much that, that group had owed us. And I said, well, I'll sell it to you for what they owed us. And, and, and the people were excited. And I realized something. When I let it go, God took care of it. Could it be the only reason you can't move on is because you're eat, eating bitter stew? God's ready to take care of it. Would you bow your heads with me? That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find 
real love now. 